0: At this time, the kids are dismissed to their program. I just want to say to to Jen and Noah, thanks a bunch just for leading us in worship this morning, and especially uh, drawing our attention back again and again to the cross as we as we march toward Easter. Uh, well, Easter doesn't happen until until the crucifixion happens. The sacrifice has been paid, and then we and then we celebrate together on Easter of the of the empty tomb. And so, thank you for walking us down that path this morning. We're continuing in our in our series on the essentials, uh, essential habits of what, what should we be doing as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus? What should characterize our life, our, our basic uh, habits, essential habits of following Jesus? And today we're, we'll introduce another one. Um, but before that, I usually have a story to tell. And today it's about... Uh, these fitness emails I tend to get, and I'm not sure exactly how I got subscribed to them. It might be because of an app I downloaded, um, and and more than that, I I don't know why I read them, uh, because they're usually uh, confusing and and depressing, and they tell me everything I knew uh, was wrong. Uh, you know, grains are bad. I'm like what about the pyramid? You know, and uh, and fat is good. And so I just put grains and fat together to cover my bases. And we call that a donut. Um, uh, thank, thank you, Nan, this morning for, for the donuts. I, I just read one recently that said uh, sit-ups are bad for you. And it said uh, the push-ups I've been doing, I've been doing them wrong. And so I, I need all the motivation I could get. And so the slightest bit of confusion makes me want to not really try. And uh, I, I'm going to talk about something today that there's some confusion about that makes us sometimes not really want to try. I'm going to make an an assertion that for some of you will be so basic that you might miss the significance of it. It'll be such a no-brainer that you wonder why we even have to talk about this. For others of you, this topic will be... um, will be overshadowed with some confusion and uncertainty so that you might be resistant to the point of it. And so I want us all to, I just want to invite all of us to come to the scripture and say, Lord, really what would you have us do in this area? And here's my assertion and the main point or big idea today is that restoring goodness to the world is essential to following Jesus. Restoring goodness to the world is essential to following Jesus. And and by restoring goodness, I mean uh, noticing the hurts around us and the injustice and the brokenness and doing what you can to heal, to advocate and reconcile what is wrong in the world. If there's hungry people, we try to feed them. If people have no homes, we try to find shelter. If there's people who are exploited or treated unjustly, we try to advocate for justice. If there's people who are disabled, we try to enable. If there's those who are fleeing harm, we provide safety. Other people who are lonely and depressed, we try to provide companionship and, and comfort. We look around us and we see where are the hurting places, where, where are the things that are broken that need fixing, and what would the Lord have us do about this? Well, as I said, for some, that's going to be an absolute no-brainer. Of course, we should do that. Whether we do it or not is another story. But for others, you think, well, we want to qualify it, or we have these questions about it, or there's some uncertainty. And I think a lot of that reason is because of how we've um, associated doing good uh, with with certain other uh, philosophies, and it's complicated the issue. Uh, For example... Doing good, restoring things in the world is connected sometimes with a a liberal kind of theology. A kind of approach to the scriptures which doesn't take the scriptures at face value. It doesn't take them authoritatively. And so um, this this is about a hundred year divide that's happened between what came to be known as the social gospel... And And what some of us would just call the, you know, the regular gospel, and there's this two paths that separated, and fortunately, thank the Lord, some of that gap is is closing. But, but it was so much the case that really great godly preachers like, like D.L. Moody and some of uh, others in his time, would speak against uh, social aid because they thought it distracted people from the message of the gospel. But uh, I'm quite certain that orthodoxy, believing right, and orthopraxy, doing right, uh, go hand in hand. They always have. They had in Jesus' life, and it's intended to in our lives as well. Well, sometimes also it's associated with a certain view of the end times, post-millennial eschatology. If you don't know what either of those words means, that's just fine. Um, but it's it's a way of viewing uh, end times where where we improve the world such that we usher in the return of Christ. That's in in very simple terms, Uh, that's what that means. Well, doing good, I believe, will never usher in the return of Christ. And it's a lot in my mind, like individual sanctification. We want to spend our whole lives in a habit of becoming more and more like Jesus. But we're not going to become like Jesus until he comes back and transforms us in a very dramatic way. And so uh, don't let that association historically theologically in the church, distract you or confuse you. And finally, another thing is, I think we confuse this issue with certain uh, political ideologies. Uh, each political party gets their own causes. Uh, you know, one party will advocate or look out for the unborn. Another for immigrants. Another want to preserve the environment for their grandkids. And it's like, you know, you get that one, we get that one, you get that one. And we, we start to politicize doing good (laughs) and it makes it really complicated and i want to look at this passage in matthew today and hopefully make it simpler to understand uh that doesn't necessarily make it easy to do that's why we need the lord's help but i'll say again i truly believe that restoring goodness to the world is an essential part of following jesus uh we'll be in matthew 9 the last paragraph Uh, starting in verse 35 to 38, and I believe in this paragraph we get to the heart of Jesus' habit. Uh, Here's here's kind of the context of what was going on. Chapter 8 and and most of chapter 9, there's at least 10 different little episodes of Jesus doing really fantastic things. Uh, He's healing people. He's helping people. He's doing these wonderful things. Uh, Chapter 8 starts out with healing a leper. And then verse 5, uh, healing the centurion servant. And then in verse 14, uh, healing Peter's mother-in-law. In verse 16, he just healed all kinds of people. In verse 28, this is all of chapter 8, he heals two uh, demoniacs, people who are uh, demon-possessed. And then uh, chapter 9 starts when he's healing a paralytic. And he makes a display of this in order to show that he really also forgives sins. And in verse eighteen of chapter nine, he heals the, this ruler's daughter. And in verse twenty, the woman with a bleeding problem. And in verse twenty-seven, a blind man. In verse thirty-two, he healed a mute and a possessed man. He's doing all these acts of goodness, restoring things that are that are are, are wrong. People who are are hurting and people who are who are sick and and uh, and disabled and deformed and dying. And he's going around making things better. Episode after episode. And then we come down to verse 35, where he gets to the heart of why in the world he's doing this. And I think it's very instructive for us this morning. So our basic question is this, how, how to bring restoration to the world like Jesus does? Uh, how does he do it? He shows us, and he tells us, and he expects us to follow that example. And so this morning, we'll look at three different ways that we can bring restoration to the world uh, just like Jesus does. The passage starts out, verse uh, 35, like this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. I I believe this verse in Matthew serves as a summary statement of Jesus' ministry. Um, he's just described several you know, examples of this happening, and then he gives a summary statement. There's, there's a similar one earlier in the book in chapter 4, verse 23. It reads very similarly, and it says, And he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. This is what he did. This is what he was known for. He went about proclaiming the kingdom and, uh, and helping people who were sick and and uh, feeding people who were hungry. He came saying the good news and doing good things. Uh, later in Acts, when, when Peter is uh, talking to Cornelius, as the gospel begins to expand beyond, um, beyond the, the Jewish core, He says this, this is about Jesus' reputation in Acts 10, verse 38. He says, You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In other words, uh, you've heard about Jesus. He was the guy that everybody knows. He went about healing people and doing good things. That's what his reputation is, (laughs) as it should be ours. So as we come back to our passage today in verse 35, uh, again, because I think it's a real summary. I'd just like to reread it. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. So he, he went where the people were. He was teaching in their synagogues. That's where the people already uh, were gathering. And he did this, proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So he proclaimed the good news and he practiced good works. And as you read through the Gospels, this is just what he did everywhere. And I'm reading on some of your faces that you don't believe me, but it's really true. But look, wherever he goes, he proclaims good news and he practices good things. Good deeds plus good news is Jesus' modus operandi. That's what he just does. That's what he did. That's what he still wants us to do. So how do we uh, make it our uh, standard habit? How do we make it our practice? How do we restore the world like Jesus did. And I think first, we notice people like Jesus. Little phrase, easy to skip over it, but verse 36 starts this way. When he saw the crowds. (laughs) Uh, You might say, when he took notice of the crowds. Uh, There's a few Greek words that they could have used for to see something, and this one has the sense of of a of a deeper uh, observation and and perception. It's used for um, for getting to know somebody experientially, uh, getting to know uh, something experientially. It's really dr- taking it in, just really looking, observing, letting it sink in. If we want to restore things around us like Jesus, well, it starts by just stopping and noticing. <laughs> Walking around your neighborhood, um, looking around your workplace, um, as you drive around, just noticing where, where are the hurts? Where are the things that are not right? Where are the things that Jesus would have you speak into and, uh, and do something about? Uh, there's a song that has just really um, great lyrics that speak to this concept. Um, Brandon Heath. Here's some of the song. It says, Step out on the busy street, see a girl and our eyes meet. Does She does her best to smile at me to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to her right, a black suit and a bright red tie. He's too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work. He's buying time. And all those people going somewhere why have I never cared? And here's the request. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. And this, is, this is where it starts. This is what Jesus did. He stopped he looked around, he noticed all those people out there with their hurts, their burdens, the things that that were um, were weighing on on their lives, stopping and noticing. Um, Heather and I just got a chance to go up to um, a conference on Hispanic outreach uh, the last couple of days uh, really great time just interacting with with the people there, and we were talking to um, to this woman who, who she's Hispanic, and she talked about when she first came to America, she intentionally uh, went to an English speaking church because she wanted to do everything she can to, to learn English <laughs> as fast as possible, even though she would have been more comfortable in a Spanish speaking church. Um, but, but her experience there was that people kind of just uh, walked right by, and, uh, and so much so that it was hard for her to listen to the sermon because she was uh, just so offended by being overlooked. Now, part of it was just a a, a cultural uh, difference, where Western, especially American Anglos, tend to be uh, more on the the task end of the scale, where where from Latin cultures, they tend to be more on the people-oriented scale. And in this way, we, we interact with each other different, but the effect is that nobody noticed me. Nobody nobody cared, and uh, it leaves a huge sour taste. Just one example of, of millions that we could give to say, we need to stop and look and notice the hurts around us. Maybe you notice that your neighbor used to walk with her husband, but now you see that she walks alone. You wonder, what is that about? Or the person at work or the person at church who usually sits alone. Or maybe you're at a restaurant and your waitress seems distracted and like she's about to cry and you wonder what what that might be about. Or the young boy who flinches when his dad raises his hand and you wonder what's going on there. Or the young woman on the corner, she's dressed to kill but she has that scared, empty look in her eyes. Or the disheveled man is asking for handouts. You can't always give money, but you can always give dignity by looking in the eyes and caring like Jesus did. Jesus noticed. To bring restoration to the world like Jesus, we have to just notice people like Jesus does. And when you stop and really take notice, uh, the natural next step is that we have compassion like Jesus? The verse continues like this. This is verse thirty-six. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They they were they were cast down, they were confused, they were being um, oppressed, and uh, and they were just wandering and no one to lead them. And Jesus saw that, and he had compassion. That word t- speaks about a, a, kind of a gut response of where we feel, we sense actually physiologically we feel the pain of somebody else. Like, oh, that that you know that moves me. That um, I feel deeply when I when I notice that, when I see that, when I hear that. And this is Jesus' motivation for the things he did. Now, I realize and you might notice those of you who were uh, studying Matthew nine this week as part of our small groups I noticed that there's a lot of different um results of the things Jesus did uh there might be some different uh reasons in his in his ministry for the things he did uh for example um part of what was going on I think in Matthew is that uh Matthew showing us how Jesus is authenticating himself as the the messiah the of Israel's uh, chosen one. He's doing the things the Messiah would do. Um, It also gave credibility to his message of forgiveness. That's another result of something that, that happened in his healings. Um, It expanded his impact. He kept healing people as much as he said, don't tell anybody uh, his fame spread and all these people uh, started following him. It it enabled people to hear about uh, Jesus and the hope in him, that otherwise would have never heard. All, all these things happened in Jesus' ministry as a result of, of the good things he did. Uh, a lot of these same things happen when we have a habit of living that way too. Of doing uh, good things and helping people who are hurting. But no matter what other things result from it, the motivation is compassion. That's the why. That's what was driving Jesus. Jesus. Why did Jesus heal people? Matthew 14, verse 14 says, When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. Remember, it starts with noticing. And he had what? He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Why did Jesus feed the hungry people? Matthew fifteen thirty-two. I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If you're here this morning and you haven't eaten for three days, you're probably missing mostly what I'm saying up here um, because, um, because eating goes up and up on the forefront of your mind. So Jesus felt compassion for these people. They've been following them around and they haven't had food, so uh, he was moved to do something about that. Why did Jesus help blind people see? Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. This is in Matthew 20, 34. Why did Jesus give comfort to the widow and give new life to her son? And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. It's not some isolated verse about... Uh, Jesus just happened to be compassionate at this time. No, this was what permeated his life. His motivation for 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 healing people and feeding people and fixing things that are wrong and comforting people was because he felt moved in his heart because people were uh were downcast and harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And on one occasion, we have it recorded in Luke, Jesus tells a story to express how we should treat others. And uh, he uses the story of the Samaritan, um, you know, the the, the foreigner that the, the Jewish people were real skeptical about. And Luke 10.33, part of Jesus' story, he says, But a Samaritan, everybody gasped. As he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, noticed him, he had compassion. And Jesus tells the story to say, uh, this is what you should do. This is who's your neighbor. This is how you should love your neighbor. So the motive the motive needs to be compassion. Whether it's the the uh, cup of cold water in Jesus' name, you know, a small, just real simple gesture, a smile, a, a thanks, a, a, an encouraging word, or or maybe it's this, this massive effort on your part I, I often comes to mind um william wilberforce in his you know years uh political effort to end slavery uh in england it's like uh, he gave his his life his latter years to that whether it's little whether it's big it needs to be motivated by compassion if we want to do it like jesus did that might be something like you notice your neighbor's trash can, the raccoons got in it and you know threw everything around. And you know your neighbor is not in, in great health, and so out of compassion, you just go and clean up that stuff. Maybe you notice there's broken glass on the beach, and you think, well, it looks kind of trashy, but also somebody could step on that and cut their feet. So out of compassion, you pick it up. Or you might buy a meal for somebody who has no food, or you might... You might work to help immigrants get legal citizenship, or you might uh, foster parent and make that kind of investment. Um, Danny and Becky's kid, I know he's not a kid anymore, uh, Nate uh, and his wife, they have a ministry of, um, of promoting and facilitating uh, foster care among Christians. What a, what a deep investment you can make in, in a kid's life by, by foster parenting. Moved by compassion for the needs there. Raising awareness for the sanctity of life issues. For the unborn who have no voice at all. Moved with compassion, we do something. See, it's it's all over the place. There's so many ways that we could be used by Christ to show his love to our world. And doing it out of compassion. So, if we're going to do it like Jesus does it, uh, we restore the world when we have compassion like Jesus. But... As I mentioned in the beginning, there's so many needs. There's just so many hurts. There's so uh, much brokenness. How in the world are we going to address all these problems? Third, to restore the world like Jesus, we need to ask for help from Jesus. (laughs) And here's exactly what he invites us to do. Verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus says there's this discrepancy. On the one hand, there's this big harvest. God is at work doing all kinds of things. People are ripe to respond to that. But on the other hand, uh, the workers are relatively few. There's just not enough people working like Jesus does. Jesus is doing things all around us. Many are ripe for the gospel, but he needs others who will do the same things he did. Others who will proclaim the good news and practice good works out in the field, so to speak. And so he says the solution to this is therefore pray earnestly. (laughs) Beg the Lord to send out to beg the Lord to mobilize his church to do the things that Jesus did. Now, sometimes the way the arbitrary uh, chapters and verse divisions are in the Bible, we sometimes lose the flow of thought. But the very next thing that happens after this comment is that Jesus uh, chooses his 12 uh, disciples. And he names them, and then he commissions them, and he sends them out, to do the same thing that he's been doing. Uh, Verse 7 of the next chapter, he he goes and sends him out, and he says, here's what I want you to do. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, first thing, I want you to tell people the good news about the kingdom, saying the kingdom's here. You can be part of it. And then the second thing, verse 8, Uh, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. In other words, all these things that are wrong in the world, just make a habit of your life to do something about them until I return. So we go to Christ, we go on our knees before him, and we pray that he would give us the eyes to notice. (laughs) Lord, help me notice the hurts that you would want me to do something about. And then we, we pray that, that he would give us compassion for people who are hurting. Okay, Lord, sometimes I, I see needs and it's just too much and I, I, I move on, I get distracted. But, but Lord, help me to feel deeply like you do about the needs around me. And then we pray that Christ's whole church would be mobilized to do the same thing. To say the good news and to do The good things, and he invites us to beg, (laughs) to plead, to call on, to pray to God for that very thing to happen. Uh, One of the guys in our in our men's uh, Bible study Tuesday night was just sharing how he just started praying for his neighbors uh, of a way to minister to them, and lo and behold, uh, ministry opportunities just got plopped in his lap. Uh, needs became known and opportunities to talk about jesus became known just as an obvious response to the fact that he prayed and asked for that Uh, that's what we all need to be doing praying god help me see help me feel help me do the things you would want me to do to restore the world around us Uh, we used to live before here in an area that you might call it the hood uh i don't know if it that's exactly the word for it, but it was at least pretty close there's there's nothing comparable uh in this town, probably not even this county but um uh when we first moved into this house, there was a couple times that we just took a, a walk around the neighborhood to notice to notice the things that were going on and to pray for them and uh I regret that we didn't keep that that habit up of walking the neighborhood and and noticing, but when your eyes are open, you see the hurts. And I guarantee, even though it's not in the same, um, it's not the same kind of hurts here. Probably, uh, they're all around us. There's needs. There's there's griefs. There's um, there's emptiness. There's brokenness. There's there's relationships that are that are falling apart, abandonment, health issues, and the Lord would have us to be His hands and feet to to walk into those situations and do something. In Christ's name, so the task is huge. It's too big, and we need to ask Him for help. And it's interesting that Jesus says, "Pray for workers," and at the same time, He wants you to be the answer to your own prayer. Uh, Lord, send out somebody <laughs> to uh, to be your spokesperson and to be your hands and feet in the world. And the very next thought should be, "And and I'll do that." That's what the Lord wants from each of us. So last week we talked about um, the beginning of restoring the world around us is by living with integrity. And I just want to say a few comments to to clarify because they sound kind of a a similar thing. Um, We might say uh, it's uh, being good and then doing good is one way to describe it. Uh, Last week of this living with integrity in the world is the sense of of living a, a, just a righteous life, uh, being honest, um, um, not uh, you know, not cheating, not speaking poorly of people, um, and the world will see like, hey, there is something different shining in that person. It's a it's an innocence in a in an uninnocent world, <laughs> and that's the beginning place to make a change. But we see Jesus did not just hang around in Capernaum. Just being uh, a holy guy, and occasionally somebody might, you know, run into him and it's like, wow, that guy is really nice. Um, that's that's not what he did. This passage tells us he went from place to place to place, doing these things, proclaiming and practicing good work. He went around noticing the hurts and doing something about them. So we have this, uh, this sense of living with integrity, and then we also have this kind of next step is actually doing good works to restore the things that are broken. Uh, there's a great verse in, in James uh, one twenty seven that talks about both of these. Says, Here's real religion. We really want the, the real deal. The pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. Well, it's visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction and it's to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's it's both. It's it's the keeping unstained from the world, yes. Live with integrity, uh do do what's right. Um and it's also going and seeing the needs and brokenness and doing something about them. The orphans and the widows and the the broken the brokenness and the hurting and and the, the lost people and lonely people that are around us of doing something about that. We address the needs, the brokenness, with overt, restorative acts of goodness. Noticing, feeling, and ministering to brokenness and injustice is it's just not optional <laughs> in following Jesus. This isn't a special little category for Oh, and some Christians do this. This is an essential habit for all who claim to be followers of Jesus to notice the hurts around and to do something about them. And I have to say that this is a challenging message to me. Um, this isn't like I figured this out and I'm telling you, you should be doing this, but but this is a very challenging message to me. I need the Lord's help to notice and to feel, and to do something about the brokenness that is all around us. Because restoring goodness to the world is essential. It's this core, it's this this non-negotiable part of following Jesus. So here's here's my challenge for, for me, and for all of you, is this week, the next several days, ask God to show you one way you can bring goodness where there is brokenness. Have that as a as a daily prayer, and then be on the lookout for where are the needs around me the needs in my in my family on on my street at the place i work um in my my neighborhood in my town this part of the county what can I do to make the world a better place for for the sake of christ and I believe as we start to pray that that um that we'll notice things we didn't see before and we'll be moved to do something about that and i think in that we will we will honor christ